Hi, everyone. My name is Chandler Malone, and welcome to the latest episode of Be Atento, helpful tips and stories from some of today's most successful entrepreneurs and investors. Be Atento is brought to you by Atento Capital, a Tulsa-based venture fund focusing on driving returns through early-stage venture investment and local economic development and job creation. Atento is Spanish for helpful, careful, thoughtful, conscientious, and polite, as we seek to embody these characteristics to all of our stakeholders. Today, we are beyond excited to welcome Anna Mason from Revolution Capital to the podcast. Anna, great to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here today on behalf of Revolution's Rise of the Rest Seed Fund. Just speaking of uh, the Rise of the Rest spe- uh, Seed Fund is a great segue uh, into the topic of our conversation today. You know, we're very excited about Rise of the Rest coming out to Tulsa and want to encourage all of our local companies to apply. Um, could you share a little bit more about the competition uh, and what it entails? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for asking. Well, if you go to events.revolution.com and you click on apply to pitch, that's where you'll find out all the information that you need about the pitch competition. Um, But our uh, fund, uh, the Rise of the Rest Seed Fund, hosts pitch competitions at the end of every tour day on our annual bus tours. So every tour is five cities in five days. We'll be in Tulsa on day number two. It's Tuesday, April 21st. And um, at the end of each day, we host this pitch competition where we select eight uh, local and regional companies out of the broader applicant pool uh, to pitch us and a crowd of a couple hundred people of your peers and colleagues and uh, hopefully a lot of other local and regional investors uh, for the chance to win a $100,000 investment uh, from our fund. And so I think what's exciting uh, about that and really important to note, um, I'm a huge fan of the pitch competition model in general for early stage companies. I know it can be a pain to apply uh, for any pitch competition, but I think it's really great to um, use pitch competitions as a forum to promote your business and spread awareness when you're at a very early stage. And also is a great opportunity if you're the winner to build third party validation. And those validation markers are really important and helpful for early stage companies. So let me tell you a little bit about uh, Rise the Rest specifically and and our pitch petition. Uh, So we are a venture and investment fund based in Washington, D.C. Our parent organization and umbrella is called Revolution, which was started by Steve Case about 15 years ago. Steve is uh, often most well known as the co-founder and former CEO of AOL America Online, which launched and scaled uh, here in our own backyard um, in the D.C. area. And at Revolution, um, and by extension Rise the Rest, our mission, investment philosophy, and, and thesis is to really democratize access to capital for entrepreneurs all across the country where it shouldn't matter where you live or what you look like or who you know. You should be able to get a fair sh- fair shake to launch, build, and scale your business and your venture backable startup by gaining access uh, to to some more of that venture capital, which unfortunately today, uh, most of the venture capital that gets invested across the industry, it's about $100 billion every year. And three quarters of it goes to three states, California, New York, and Massachusetts. And so the work that we do with Rise of the Rest, uh, both on the investment side with our fund, we have $300 million of uh, capital that we deploy into early stage companies with Rise of the Rest. Um, And we're investing into seed, seed two, and series A companies uh, in cities all across the country. And so we do that on a regular basis. 
Um, but once a year we go out on the road, we take this big, crazy red tour bus uh, and a number of our friends and colleagues, co-investors and other stakeholders from across the country who share our interest and passion in regional entrepreneurship and want to hop on the bus and really just see firsthand and experience for themselves these incredible front lines of innovation in cities all across the country. And so each of these tour days is a full kind of crazy jam-packed day. It's about 12 hour, it's about a 12 hour day. And the capstone of each day um, is a big public event, free and open to the public. Uh, more info on that is at events.revolution.com. And that's where we host these pitch competitions. And so we'll select the top eight companies uh, from across the Tulsa region uh, who apply in through uh, through this pitch competition process. Um, and they'll, uh, they'll pitch us for a shot at that 100K investment. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for all of the information and, and color around Rise of the Rest. And so obviously Rise of the Rest is a unique model uh, for a venture fund to pull off. And so we'd love to just kind of understand how it's gone thus far and, and what some of your key takeaways and learnings have been from it. Um, well, Rise of the Rest as a platform is about five years old, and our funds, uh, we're now on our second uh, Rise of the Rest seed fund, are uh, two years old. So what's I think what's been um, most exciting and heartening is that we had the ability and the opportunity to take what was a bus tour five years ago, and all work together you know, as a team with Steve to transform it from a tour into a platform and a network of connected entrepreneurs and investors and other community stakeholders from cities all across the country and try to drive some connectivity uh, between those communities and enable the tour and the platform uh, to give us some uh, some great in these early pitch competitions we've been doing since 2014 and these investments uh, that Steve had personally been making since 2000. 14, use that as the groundwork to be able to raise outside capital, to raise a traditional early stage venture fund, and to then have the opportunity to put a lot more money to work um, into these early stage startups. So I am, um, you know, something uh, when I'm in, when I'm in, in town in a couple months, you might hear me say on the tour day that uh, to me, I think about everything as a startup and everyone is a startup. Uh, so I, I look at cities as startups. I look at kids as startups. Um, and I've often looked at Rise of the Rest as the startup that grew up and launched inside um, inside of Revolution, uh, which is a much broader, you know, $1.7 billion venture capital and investment, uh, an investment firm. Um, so some of the key learnings uh, about both cities and startups. So one thing I would share out of the gate, and this is about cities, and this is probably one of my favorite aspects of uh, producing the tours is that you get to expect the, you you come to expect the unexpected and the, you know, old adage, don't judge a book by its cover really applies to cities just as much as it does to people. Um, And I think it's because cities, you know, are, have, you know, a lot of those human characteristics themselves. And so having the opportunity through the tours over these, uh, over these last number of years to not just see the country, um, but to really experience the dynamism of the country and see it through the eyes of entrepreneurs who I think are fundamentally optimists, um, trying to reshape and 
reimagine the future of not only their companies, but their cities, their industries, um, and the country at large is incredibly inspiring. And so it's really a privilege uh, that in addition to the investment work that we get to do as part of the venture community more broadly, we also have this great opportunity uh, to work with, learn from, and, and partner uh, with stakeholders across the public and private sector in all these cities. So I think that, that is a key foundational uh, learning and takeaway for, for me. A second is that there are a lot of parallels that we've seen uh, between different cities uh, in terms of um, opportunities that are emerging for startup ecosystems, challenges that they may be facing sometimes. Uh, they can be community-oriented or mentality-oriented in terms of perhaps having a broader more risk averse community um, in, in a lot of these in a lot of these regions. Sometimes it's an infrastructure question. Do you actually have kind of the physical infrastructure and landscape to create what we call and what we think of as network density to physically put entrepreneurs in close proximity to one another? And and so the fact that we've been able to start to see some of these patterns emerge um, over the last five years has inspired us to try to be um, thoughtful and intentional about not just what we do on tours to engage and connect and convene people within a city, but to always try to think who can we bring in, you know, sort of pop on the bus from another city uh, who may be able to also share some insight and perspective. Perhaps there's an interesting partnership that can form or, or forge out of that. Uh, and so those, those learnings, I think, have, have been foundational uh, to the continuation of the work that, that we try to do. Got it. Got it. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like you, just based on the work with Rise of the Res, have the opportunity to see so many different ideas, so many different business models, uh, so many different ecosystem models uh, from the cities that you visit. Um, and so would love to hear from you. Uh, what are some of the common indicators for success, uh, both within individual founders and companies, uh, but also within, you know, larger startup ecosystems? Sure. Um, so on the company front, one of the things that um, one of the markers that we screen for when we look at investing in companies from an early seed stage standpoint are, are the competencies and and the experiences of the core team, not just the founder, but but the core team. And this is where I, I, I find, I think we argue that uh, rise of the rest companies and startups that are based in these you know, uh, cities all across the country really have a leg up and an advantage to some of their counterparts who are launching on the coast. And the core advantage, is, and we see this with so many of our founders across our portfolio, which numbers more than 135 companies across nearly 70 cities in the country, we see that they have, many of them have a deep foundational legacy expertise around the core industry that they're trying to innovate in. Uh, so, you know, for example, you might see a, a last mile logistics company that plays in the B2B HVAC and electrical supply space. We have a company in Minnesota that works on that. Founder actually used to own a Johnstone supply franchise and was his own first customer. He originally built the technology for himself. And then when his other competitors started to say, hey, that, that is incredibly useful. Can we use that too? Can we buy that too? He, he realized um, that he was really onto something and spun out uh, a great technology business as a result of that. And we, we see 
examples like that in so many of our entrepreneurs and in so many of our cities, it's, it's a little crazy to think about that, you know, 75% of the investment capital that goes into venture is concentrated in those three coastal states, but 85% of the fortune 500 is located in all these cities all across the country that we track and we map to with rise of the rest. And so by extension, when you think about the deep domain expertise in agriculture, in healthcare, in manufacturing, um, in supply chain and logistics, so many other businesses that touch communities and consumers all across the country, we find that that expertise um, it lives all across the country. And so now we live in an age, and uh, Steve in his book, The Third Wave, um, refers to this phenomenon of, of what we, we call, we think of as the third wave of, of um, the evolution of the tech industry is that technology, um, and it, we're grateful for it, is now more ubiquitous than it ever has been before. It's cheaper to access um, on a relative basis than it ever has been before. And so that, from an, from an, an infrastructure standpoint, should make it easier to launch a startup anywhere um, in the country or even in the world than it ever has been before. And so what you need, the fuel, you know, the, the fuel to throw on that, on that fire is capital um, and is connectivity and is um, advice and guidance on how to skip certain steps uh, that really help a company accelerate at its earliest phase. And so to come full circle, just back to you know, very specifically answering this question, that legacy expertise that comes out of this founder community that we find in all these cities, I think helps the most successful ones are able to shortcut early stages of the business building process because they know their own industry so well. And so when you can layer that and couple that with some great partners, advisors, and, and capital investors who can then also help you shortcut some of the aspects of building a tech business, because um, there's also a language and a legacy around that um, that maybe isn't as well known in some of these other cities, that is where I think the magic really starts to happen. Got it. Got it. No, that that makes complete sense. Um, and, and I think one of the things that you said, you know, really stood out to me um, and talking about how, you know, startups and ecosystems need the fuel uh, and the fuel is the capital, but not just the capital, but also uh, the community and connectivity um, would love to understand what founders will get in terms of, you know, additional fuel outside of just the capital uh, if they're able to be selected as a rise of the rest portfolio company. Ah, a question after my own heart. Uh, well, you know, one of my one of our colleagues here, you know, once said to me, uh, you know, as venture investors, we're really actually in the services industry. And that really resonated with me. And it's something that I, I, I've adopted, I think, in my own mentality of how I think about the work we do as venture investors. The Don't get me wrong, it is hard to raise capital. It is even harder to raise capital if you're a startup outside the Valley or New York. It's harder to raise capital if you're a female founder or a founder of color. And those are not things to be taken lightly. But sometimes the capital is not nearly as important or as critical as some of the help that hopefully can come along with that. And so we've tried to be really thoughtful as a team and a fund to think about what other resources other than our capital uh, we can bring to bear to support our portfolio companies. And so we've built out a 
portfolio support and engagement platform uh, that officially serves our companies in four distinct ways. We support through uh, technology and tools, benefits, discounts, and connections up into those companies. We have an education track and component uh, where we connect our companies to a specific network of experts who have deep domain or vertical expertise where they can help founders with what I think of as a surgical strike um, questions. We have a talent solutions component uh, to our portfolio support effort where we help connect startups um, with some great uh, human capital and talent as, as hiring becomes increasingly important, important as you raise that capital and now need to build out your team and scale it to scale your business. And and then finally, and I would say last, but absolutely not least, um, we have a community component to our portfolio support where we look to connect our founders to one another. We do this uh, in both online and offline capacities. We host an annual summit um, and retreat for all of our founders from across the country because the, there's really a uh, Nothing like just going through it and building it yourself and to be able to connect founders in disparate cities across the country who are who have parallel experiences and can benefit from one another's insights, experiences and ideas um, is a really powerful community to try to bring together. Um, so we do all that. And then the, uh, the last thing I would share is that while any winner from the Rise of the Rest pitch competition receives $100,000 investment, all of our portfolio companies, as they scale, become eligible for follow-on investment capital, uh, which can sometimes run up into you know the, the multi-million dollar checks uh, from our Rise of the Rest Fund. So there's potentially a lot more than a $100,000 check behind our initial investment. Thank you so much for for sharing some of those additional value adds and for all the founders listening. Uh, I think you you all should be able to understand at this point uh, that there's a myriad of reasons why you should apply for Rise of the Rest. So now that we've kind of spoken a little bit more about Rise of the Rest, Anna, would love to just hear a little bit more about your background. I know you've had some varied experiences from time on Wall Street to founding a startup to now uh, being a partner at a venture firm. And so I would love to just have you take us, you know, through your journey and hear any key takeaways or learnings that you've had from any of your experiences. Sure, sure. Um, thanks. So the highlights for me are that I, I was previously a uh, Wall Street investor and trader, and I, I worked in the, you know, with the riskiest assets, so um, bonds and bank debt and posterior private equity of companies that uh, were at high risk or um, were on the cusp of going bankrupt. Um, so what I would say there is maybe I'll just share some uh, quick hits and and key learnings and takeaways because I do think that there's no one path into venture investing. It's one of the great things I think about our industry is that people find their way into seats like mine from all walks of life and from all experiences. Uh, and so I always... Uh, try to look back and reflect on what I've learned from each of those experiences that informs where I'm at today and how I think about um, investing in some of these companies. So I sit in a seat right now um, where I think about the opportunity where uh, uh, where optimism and realism intersect. And that's what I love about venture is you have to be crazy enough to think that you can create something out of nothing and make the impossible possible. Uh, but you also have to be pragmatic and a realist and have a real plan to figure out how to go from A to B to Z. And when I look back at you know the first tranche of my career on Wall Street, 
I had a couple key takeaways and learnings. Uh, the first is to take a long-term view. And um, that's particularly, you know, it, it can be important when you're thinking about, you know, pu- public and, uh, you know, public market investing. But I think it's equally important, if not more so, when you're thinking about the venture community, because we're not just investing, you know, we're not investing in founders who are, you know, thinking about how is this industry going to be different tomorrow? How is this consumer going to purchase differently next week? It's really about uh, uh, seismic changes that are maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years out um, and being able to build up and into that. The second lesson from uh, my time on Wall Street, which was pretty tumultuous, I guess I should mention that I started right up and then into uh, the financial crash and worked at Lehman Brothers on the distress desk, trading our own bonds and bank debt after we ourselves went bankrupt. Um, and, and out of that came a very foundational lesson that I learned when I was 21 years old, which is uh, that every organization, large or small, is the sum of its people. And that translates into culture in a really powerful way. Um, but it also just it translates into not just what you're building, but how you build and the type of team that you build. And that has been a critical um, lesson and insight as we think about um, what it means to back a founder and to back a team and to think about what their business could look like at scale. The tranche of my career where um, I spent a couple years myself um, in, in the startup world as an entrepreneur and sort of jumped off that proverbial cliff is also what I refer to as my Wall Street recovery program. I, I uh, <laughs> went from New York all the way to the other coast to Southern California um, and was involved in co-founding uh, a health tech company that uh, where we really focused in on the social psychology of fitness and so the human behaviors that really draw people to want to share their workouts, share their wellness routines, and also the power of community and, and what can come out of that from a motivational and inspirational standpoint. So we effectively had a uh, social fitness app um, where people had the opportunity to earn rewards and free gear from different uh, companies in the health and wellness space in exchange for sharing their workouts, following certain plans, um, and ultimately using that social incentive uh, to try to live healthier, live healthier lives. And through that effort, we, uh, uh, we ended up meeting, um, and working with the companies was originally one of our customers ended up uh, becoming an acquirer of our company. Um, but I think that one of the key lessons and probably the key lesson in my takeaway from that time. Um, and I hope that it gives me a measure of empathy now that I sit in the investor seat again, is that being an entrepreneur is so hard and it is so mentally taxing and stressful. And the biggest lesson and takeaway from that um, period of experiences is to seek community and to be willing to take advice. And there's this phenomenon, I I call it startup island. Um, It's not a happy island in a beach where you're you know, hanging out and sunning yourself and having margaritas. Um, it's a little bit of a lonely place. And I'm really heartened to see that uh, founder mental health and wellness is increasingly coming into a very public national conversation. I think it's incredibly important. But even outside the mental health, you know, components of this equation, seeking community, joining a co-working space, finding an affinity group, whether you're a female founder or a founder in a certain industry, um, being able to share those experiences and not thinking that the sun has to always just rise and set with what you're doing um, and being really myopic about your work, I think is really important from the standpoint of trying to find balance in an industry that fundamentally, unfortunately, rewards um, a little bit of an imbalance ar- around work life. 
And then um, my last stop, on, you know, b- before uh, before the train uh, stopped at, at Revolution and Rise of the Rest um, was an opportunity I had when I moved from Southern California to D.C., um, where, where I'm proud to now be raising uh, my family and two little girls who are fifth-generation Washingtonians, um, was to get involved in the startup support co- um, community here, uh, focused specifically on female founders. And... Um, work to build up a hyperlocal organization that that supports um, female founders, not just with access to capital, um, but access to uh, connections and mentorship and uh, business development advice, and and really just thinking about building out that circle of champions. And what I learned there um, is that uh, startup support and community engagement work is um, one of the most difficult, I think, aspects of uh, the broader innovation ecosystem and economy. And, and so I always say, if you meet a startup support person who's running a co-work space or uh, a, a, an accelerator or an incubator, like you should give them a hug because it's a super hard job. Um, and oftentimes, actually, it's hard to find the right business model that lets you do that work to support other entrepreneurs more broadly over a really long period of time. And so they're a critical layer in the community stack for um, entrepreneurial ecosystem building and, um, and it's a tough gig. Um, but it's invaluable, um, for, uh, for entrepreneurs more broadly. Um, and so all that brought me, uh, brought me to revolution where I am, uh, really proud, um, and honored to, uh, to get to work with Steve Case and, uh, our other partners, uh, David Hall and Mary Grove, uh, to build out, um, to build out this work that we do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Anna, I know you've got a busy rest of your day. Um, so I really wanted to thank you personally uh, for your time, for the insights that you shared. And is there anything else that you'd like to add about Revolution or Rise of the Rest? Just that we hope uh, to see all of you in, in Tulsa. There are so many different ways uh, to get involved. If you're not applying to pitch, we hope that you'll come out and join in the event and learn more about innovation and entrepreneurship and opportunity right in your backyard. Um, so we hope to see you on Tuesday, April 21st in, uh, in Tulsa. And um, you can uh, save a spot uh, to attend that. Uh, that'll go live sometime next week. Um, and that's all at events.revolution.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anna. And I uh, hope you have a great rest of your week. Thanks, guys. You too. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our first episode of Be Attento. Uh, just as a reminder to everyone, the deadline to apply for Rise of the Rest is February 24th. And uh, we want to encourage you guys to follow us on all social media at Attento Capital and visit us online at attentocapital.com. Thanks so much.